Hello, and welcome to the Conrad Life Report, episode number 15. Um, this is, it is February 28th here in New York City. Looking outside the window, there is a light dusting of snow on the ground, as predicted at the last minute last night. Uh, I checked the weather last night, and all of a sudden it said 0.2 inches expected overnight. And that seems to be what we've gotten, or even less. Anyway, um, winter won't go away, although it is still February, but winter was also hardly here because there's been no snow, but there's just been an annoying, it's been a very, very English winter, actually. It's like little snow, but just constant wet and cold 30s. Um, So that's not great hurry up spring. Um, anyway, moving on to, uh, the week, uh, it's actually, it's been about, I I think it's been exactly one week since the last life report. One thing I forgot to mention last week, which, um, I will lead off with this week is the stereo project is almost complete. Um, so the receiver is hooked up, the tape deck is hooked up, the portable CD, realistic CD player from 1987 is hooked up, and the turntable that comes with the stereo is hooked up, although it definitely needs a new cartridge, which I need. I should order online today. Um, and uh, the speakers are set up. They're uh, Bose shelf speakers that my brother-in-law has lent me, and overall, they're pretty good. Uh, they the bass just needs to be turned up on the on the receiver, which I've done because I think most Bose speakers generally require they have their own like subwoofer module, which these two shelf speakers do not. So you have to compensate for the bass. So I've done that, uh, but I've gotten into this routine over the past week of just putting on old Grateful Dead tapes, cassettes, and just having it on in the background quietly. So I've done that usually in the mornings when I'm the first one to wake up. I do it. When I get home, when I put it on low enough that it doesn't bother anyone, um, so it's been a real joy to like just have this thing set up again and be listening to my tapes. And I mean, who would have thought I'd be listening to these tapes thirty years later? Except I did think that back then. I remember thinking that when I got into the Grateful Dead, how 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 fun it would be to listen to them for forever. And that seems to be what's happening, especially in listening to these actual same Maxell XL2S cassettes, XL2s and XL2Ss with some of the XU90, XU2s, whatever the uh, more budget one was. I had some of those too. Uh, let's see. We are podcasting this morning from Oliver's room because he went over into our room and I can't believe it, but he's woken up. He woke up super early. He wakes up at 7.40 a.m., except on the mornings where I try to do this. Um, So I guess it makes sense that he started stirring at 6.55 when I thought I was doing a great job getting up super early to do this. I guess I have to get up at 4 a.m. like I did that one time. Um, Let's see. but Yeah, so the stereo is 90% set up. What's left to be set up is, I actually forgot about this until this morning, is I also shipped to myself from Cincinnati. my 8-track player, 
which is probably <clears throat> the best looking eight track player in existence. It's from a super sharp 1970s Panasonic system we had. Um, I wish I knew where the receiver was. I'm sure it's in my parents' basement somewhere, but um, the eight track player is just polished wood. And uh oh, here comes Oliver. I may have to pause here. This is not going to be good. I think he's looking for me. Um, I'll be right back. Okay, he hasn't come by, so I'll just keep going for now. Anyway, this Panasonic 8-track player is like nice, polished, you know, fake wood, I'm assuming, but um, with a sort of silver facade where, you know, the front where you actually um, slot the 8-track tape in. Um, it's just a good-looking 8-track player, so I got to set that up. I only have two 8-track tapes. Um, and let's see, do I have two here? I only have two here and I have two more at home. I can remember or three. So the two I have here is they're both ones that were actually, well, one I brought from home. It's the Beatles blue album. Um, I think it's the, yeah, the blue album, which is the later era, the one where they're looking down the, um, central shaft of the EMI records building in London. Um, it's the, yeah, it's the second one, the blue one with the later ones. And I brought that from my parents' house long ago simply for a knick-knack, but now I may actually play it. Who knows what the quality of the actual tape inside is. Um, and then here I also have Born to Run uh, by Bruce Springsteen, which was given to me as a, as a kind of like knick-knacky, jokey gift for my birthday years ago by, can't remember who now, that's embarrassing. Um, and a fun trivia fact is that Born to Run was the very first CD I owned. Um, I got a CD player for Christmas in 1985, very young, and I kind of knew it was coming, and I told my best friends I was getting a CD player, so the last day of school before the winter break, they gave me Born to Run. Um, and so <laughs> I had Born to Run before I had a CD player. Anyway, and I now have it on 8-track. Never had it on cassette. I do have it on vinyl. And I guess if I sync it to my Spotify, I'll have it on my streaming service. Um, so... Let's see. Oh, the other eight tracks I have at my parents' house I have to bring back are The Best of Doug Som and Band, which I never remember my parents listening to, but they had it. And I didn't listen to it as much as I used to stare at the art cover artwork because it's fascinating. It's an illustration of Doug Som and Band um, with, it's kind of like cart, I mean, it's an illustration, It's cart, but it's cartoony in the sense that it's kind of comical and there's every people are smiling. It's, it's almost like a, a straighter Mad Magazine illustration, to give you an idea, if you've never seen the cover of it, Doug Salmon Band. And I didn't realize until about a year ago when I was listening to this album on Spotify that uh, Bob Dylan's on two songs. And he, there he is at the front of the illustration, <laughs> which I never knew, staring at this cover um, as a kid. And then the other 8-track that I used to listen to quite a bit, well, there's two others. One is the Beach Boys' uh, Live in London 69, which is one of their probably justifiably lesser-known um, releases. But um, it's a live album from 79, and it's interesting. It used to confuse me because the front of the artwork, which is a, like a collage of travel log stuff, um, scrapbook traveling pictures and postcards, is a postcard to Brian Wilson saying, wish you were here. And didn't realize back then, pre-internet and pre-having purchased any, you know, 
history of music, rock and roll books, that Brian Wilson was no longer touring with the band at that point. Um, so there's that. It has a great version of Bluebirds Over the Mountain on there. Um, a, a great Good Vibrations, Barbara Ann's on it. Um, and then the other eight track is this like 1920s, roaring 20s collection of songs like Ain't She Sweet and I've Got Rhythm um, with a great Gatsby-like cover uh, artwork. And I, I love all those 1920s songs. Um, basically, I love all those jazz era, but kind of like pop hits, which I think starts with essentially like ragtime, fits that description, ragtime songs like Scott Joplin, which is turn of the century, and then moves up into these like roaring 20s, Cole Porter, Irving Berlin, awesome songs. Um, so those are the eight tracks I got to bring back. And I guess now that when I go to used record stores, I'll keep an eye out for eight tracks. Um, the problem with, with tape in general is that it degrades over time. And from what I understand, the moving parts and tape players, whether eight tracks or cassette decks also are pretty fragile. So it's kind of a fraught exercise, uh, but it's fun at least. And I won't lose any sleep if I lose a tape or if I lose a machine. Um, so that was Stereo Project, going well and almost complete. Let's see, the other fun item toy that I played with this week was that Krups, K-R-U-P-S, the Krups, the coffee maker. Anyway, the beer tap machine that I got for Christmas. Um, it's Technically, the product is called a sub, S-U-B. Um, and you load in these torps, like torpedoes. You load a, load a torp, a torpedo into this sub. Um, and these torps are like two liter bottles of beer, essentially. And you load them in lengthwise, like sideways into this sub, which is the shape of a long tube. And you hook up the little tap um, that comes with that's attached to every two liter. And then it taps into the actual pull tap with the handle thingy. And voila, you, it keeps it cold and pressurized and you have beer. So basically I pull that out. It's huge, so we don't keep it in the kitchen because it takes up a significant amount of countertop space. But um, pull it out for special occasions. So it was around for the Super Bowl. We had it around a lot during the Christmas and New Year's week. Um, friend Howard came over on Friday night, decided to pull it out and just drink from the uh, the Krups <laughs> tap. Uh, so that's been a fun toy to play. And let's see what else. Speaking of beer, we'll get to beer early this week, I guess. Um, it was New York Beer Week this week, which means a lot of special breweries and stuff and events were going on around town. The, I didn't do anything for it except go to my local beer place, Bar Great Harry, on the corner of Smith and Sackett, which I do um, a lot anyway. And uh, I stopped in after work on Friday and met my friend Pete and the... Uh, the sort of impetus behind this meeting was that the Iowa brewery Toppling Goliath was had a five taps worth of beer at Bargrade Harry. I'd never heard of Toppling Goliath until that until the day before when Bargrade Harry made a big deal about it on their Instagram. Um, but it turns out they are a very well thought of brewery from Iowa. So their beer was excellent. It was very hazy. I had a thing called the Pseudo Sue, which is like they describe as a pale ale, but it's got to be like it's as if other half made an, a pale ale. It's super hazy. Um, so I would keep an eye out for Toppling Goliath, either in New York or if you ever... It looks like they're in the Midwest. It also looks like they might be in New England, oddly enough. So that was great. 
Saturday morning, I went to East One, my coffee shop I like to go to early in the morning before everyone else here wakes up, and I write in my journal, and I sit in the little laptop-free zone um, sort of um, like windowsill slash bench area they have, and I read old musician magazines, and this, this time I read a 1991 issue with Axl Rose on the cover. Remember they put a, a member of Guns N' Roses on the cover for like four different times in three years because I guess it sells issues. Um, and they also had an interesting article uh, where the author s- sat in on Genesis tour rehearsals in Surrey for their We Can't Dance tour, which didn't love that album, but um, it was great to read about Genesis getting ready for their tour. Um, let's see. Uh, Saturday um, or Sunday... Didn't do much. Um, you spent a lot of weekend just hanging out with Oliver, walking around. Um, Sunday, I went down to Wing Bar on Smith Street to watch Michigan play Michigan State. Uh, disappointing result if you are a Michigan alum or fan like I am. Uh, but it was good. Um, ran into my um, friend Drew Thurlow on the street because he was visiting the new Liz Young bookstore on DeGraw, the cooking bookstore. So met up with him and Jen. Um, I knew they were in the neighborhood, but we didn't plan to meet up. But um, I ran into them on the street. And he joined um, my friend Eric Michelson and I. We went down to Wing Bar and Drew stayed for the first half. And then our friend Yoav came. Yoav Gonin is former New York Post City Hall reporter who recently left to join The City, that startup The City. So he's begun working for them and reporting um, at, on Twitter, kind of, but... I don't, the city hasn't launched yet, so we'll see what happens. It's a nonprofit funded in great part, apparently, by Craig Newmark of Craigslist. But um, very excited for Yoav. Um, it seems like such an interesting scene down there in Room 9 in City Hall, the City Hall reporting beat. Anyway, so after that, the game was over. Disappointing result for Michigan. Um, Yoav goes home. Eric had already gone home because he had to prepare for an Oscars party. I was uh, walking out of Wing Bar by myself when I got a text bar, a text from my brother-in-law who wanted to see if I wanted to get a beer. I said, yes, let's go to Bar Great Harry and have Toppling Goliath um, before they run out. So he said, I'll meet you there in five minutes. So I walk across the street to Bar Great Harry. It's about 5.30 or something like that at this point. And I'm at the bar and I get there first and I decide to order two drinks, two Toppling Goliaths for myself and Drew and... So I'm sitting there with these two beers, and the guy comes up next to me, and he starts looking at the menu. And he's looking at the menu for, like, at least a minute, which is not abnormal because there's, like, 40 drinks on the menu and with descriptions. And so I said, I just randomly said to him, I said, hey, if you're if you're looking for something, I recommend the Toppling Goliath Pseudo Sue. And he looked up, and he's like, oh, yeah, well, I, I was looking at that. And then I'm talking to him for about 30 seconds about beer, and I notice his shirt has photo of Brent Midland, the Grateful Dead keyboard player from April 22nd, 1979 through July 23rd, 1990. Um, it's a picture of early Brent, early in the band Brent, where he's got long, straight <laughs> hair parted in the middle, classic Brent. And um, I said, hey, is that Brent Midland? And he goes, yeah. And I just looked at him and I said, I'm a serious deadhead. And he looked at me too and said, I'm a serious deadhead, um, which as my friend Dave pointed out when I told him this story, the, if you're wearing a 1979 Brent Midland homemade t-shirt, it is 
a sign that you are definitely a serious deadhead and perhaps too serious <laughs> a deadhead. But of course, we know there's no such thing as too serious a deadhead. Anyway, his name was Casey. Um, turns out that he is he hosts his own Grateful Dead night at Clems in Williamsburg. Like, um, so maybe I'll make it up there sometime. And I told him about our Grateful Dead night at Three's Brewing, and he said he'd actually met Scott Devendorf once at Clems, and they talked the dead. So that was cool. Um, so said hello to him for a bit and hopefully see him around. Maybe see him this weekend. I'm going to be going to Brooklyn Bowl tomorrow night on Friday for the Grateful Shred Garcia Peoples show. I love Garcia Peoples. I've never seen him live, so I'm excited for that. And Grateful Shred is the latest hot dead-ish, cover-ish band um, who I think are from the West, and they're very well thought of. And it seems like many of the deadheads in the New York City deadhead scene will be there, so that'll be a nice event. Um, let's see, what else did we do? Oh, Saturday, Oliver and I went to the DeKalb Market in um, City Point, up in downtown Brooklyn, which is kind of like the food hall that opened two years ago. And he's a little picky about food, so it's even, even with food you'd, you'd think a kid would like, you know, he's not always in the mood, but all of a sudden he saw hamburgers, the ham- old the old-time hamburger stand, and I said, hey... Do you want a hamburger and sit down at that open table right there? And he took ten took about two seconds of thinking. He goes, "Yes, I want to sit down and have a hamburger." I said, "Great, sit down." And so it's from this place called what was it called? Andrew's Sunday Stand or something. Anyway, pretty good hamburgers. I like 1950s style stuff when it comes to these things. Anyway, um, so that was the weekend, which is actually a pretty normal weekend. Um, and then Tuesday, I voted for public advocate here in New York City. There was a special election for public advocate. I voted for Williams, um, who ended up being the winner. Um, pretty low turnout, I guess, to be expected. But it is a bummer whenever you read about low turnouts. And I went, I voted after work because, to be honest, I actually forgot about it. I usually go before work, but I voted after work. Um, but I got, you know, I got off the F train at Carroll Street at whatever time that was Tuesday. Walked up to PS. Uh, or to Carroll Street, Carroll Gardens Library on Clinton, and there was like a rush of about seven or eight of us um, that had all probably gotten off that F train and walked straight up to the library to vote. Um, Let's see. Turning to books, I'm still reading Girl 20, which I thought I would be through quicker because it's a 250-page comic novel, but... You know, it's like Robertson Davies, you have to really savor every word of Kingsley Amos because it's just so well written and so funny and so much of the joke is jokes are subtle the comedy is so subtle and you really have to like be hyper aware of every nuance of character and conversation that may have happened pages and pages before which is easy to do if you just happen to read it closely and not skim it but boy is it funny and rewarding um you know all those early kingsley amos post lucky jim his debut but like when he settled into his groove and those funny books in his early career, his early first period. Just so great. So Girl 20 is going very well. Um, I read a couple of these articles online, the famous articles that were being shared a lot this week. I read that Verge article on Facebook moderators, the outsourced uh, vendors who sit in a call center type office space in Phoenix, and they watch the absolute worst video output of humanity that comes on Facebook or that doesn't come on Facebook because they moderate it. Just kind of heartbreaking all around. The stuff they see leaves real 
permanent mental impact, it seems. The work conditions um, do not look great at all. Um, they're not allowed to have any their phone at their desk, which seems obvious when you think about the fact that they're not for the privacy of these cretins that upload this garbage. Um, they're very much timed. They only have a 30-minute lunch break. They only have two 15-minute wellness breaks, which they use going to the bathroom, but there's only one bathroom, and they have to wait in line. It seems awful. And they get paid $28,000 a year, uh, while Facebook employees make, at pro on average, 10 times that amount doing stuff that <laughs> I don't think is um, as important or damaging as moderating this murders and other awful, awful crimes. Anyway, um, so yeah, that article was in The Verge by Casey Newton. Um, pretty good article. I also read the the New York Times had a work series, a series on like working right now or whatever. And I read the article about like people who make a lot of money yet are still um, existentially unhappy. Uh, and that was by Charles Duhigg, who also, if you recall, I read that book, The Power of Habit, about a month or two ago. Charles Duhigg wrote that. So, um, so that was a pretty interesting article. There's a whole series of stuff. I started to read the We Work Culture articles, which an article on like how we work culture is transforming freelance economy and just our idea of what workspaces mean. That was a pretty good article, article too, and I should finish it because I started and I didn't finish it. I uh, should wrap this up kind of soon. I hear family life stirring out in the kitchen. Um, let's see. Music. Uh, big news this week is Mark Hollis from Talk Talk passed away, which is very sad. He had not released new music in 20 years. Um, he sort of like retired from the industry after having a family. Um, but I read, uh, or I read, I listened to some of his album, the Talk Talk albums this week, which are just so great. Obviously, they wrote It's My Life. He wrote It's My Life, which no doubt made a big hit of. Um, and Life's What You Make It. But boy, starting with Spirit of Eden and then Laughing Stock, um, just such incredible, indescribable, and unique music. Um, I remember I was introduced to Laughing Stock by my old coworker, Richard Fortas, who's now in Guns N' Roses. This was like in 1999. We were talking about stuff and somehow talk talk came up and he was just like you got to listen to laughing stock i had no idea about this turn in talk talk's career i only knew their hits and yeah he got me into laughing stock he's like it's just incredible it's it's not what you'd expect um so thanks richard for that many years ago um and the other thing i listened to was the turtles album the turtles presents the battle of the bands which my friend matt, matt blankman suggested to me over twitter it's a 1968 record where it's a concept record where they basically present a battle of the bands and it's 10 or 11 songs and every song is in a different style, like kind of Hawaiian music, joke song, um, Kamana Wanalea, get it? Um, there's also like a psych, psych song, a surf song, um, really funny, really extremely well done. But why is Oliver screaming? He's screaming over there. I better finish this up soon. And... Guess that's it. I'm going to be listening to the Dr. John record Gree Gree a lot over the weekend because on Tuesday, um, our little crew of threes brewing mus based musicians will be performing Gree Gree in full up for Mardi Gras. Um, that's again threes brewing on Tuesday, March, whatever that is, 5th. We did it last year. It was really fun. Great way to do Mardi Gras. Um, so if you're in Brooklyn and looking for something to do that night, come to that. 
under 24 minutes here. I guess we'll wrap it up because I got to get this morning going um, and see what the source of the screaming is. Um, so yeah, that's the Conrad Life Report, episode number 15, February 28th. Um, everyone have a good March and beginning of March. See you here next week.